What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. During the summer when the weather gets hot, I can only imagine how much time you plan to spend outside with friends or alone on your couch with that AC blasting. AT&T 5G and home internet keeps you connected so you can enjoy all the summertime vibes. Whether you're sharing pics from a rooftop, video calling your friends from an outdoor concert, or streaming your favorite show episode after episode. So stay connected to your favorite people and your favorite things with AT&T 5G and home internet. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and device. Coverage not available everywhere. Learn more at att.com slash 5G for you. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Yeah. Welcome to J.L., yeah. 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 a production of iHeartRadio. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, everybody? I'm Jill Scott. That's Agent Graydon Danzler. And that's Laia St. Clair. And we're here. Eves is out here, you know, our our producer in the show. She is she's out here trying to make us clap on time. And for some reason, we just can't seem to get it together. Say clap on three. Y'all say we clap on three. Is it or does somebody else clap after three? Right after three. I don't know what the deal is, but like this I know we ain't got the clap. <laughs> we ain't got the clap. Just like this topic that we're talking about. We gotta get it together. You like that? You like I did that? You like I did that? Okay. I like I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get it together. Listen, my now 12-year-old, uh, when we first got to Franklin, Tennessee, we went to school. Wow. I know, right? Uh, we went to school and he was like the one, maybe out of uh, whew, 500 kids, he was like the one. And I worried about that. Like, oh, here we are. We're out here in the South and there's no real, you know, representation whatsoever. We'll just pay attention to it, you know? And um, he was a little behind on some things. And I knew, I knew that. I knew that this was going to be an issue. But I watched those folks, those teachers and, and principals. First of all, they wanted to go to the plantation for a field trip. I said, I'll be damned. This is, this is really happening? Really? 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 Okay. 
Uh, so that was one. And then the other was because he was a little behind. Um, and this is what, third grade? They made mm-hmm. him feel like he was the most stupid person that ever existed. And I was like, you're tearing down the child's self-esteem on a daily basis. We got to go. So then we went to a a private school because that was a public school. We went to a private school and the private school was more diverse. We were excited about that. Like, okay, you know, we got some Indian folk and we got some uh, some some Japanese folk and okay, some Italian folk. What's the folk in here? Okay. And uh different ranges or variations of African. I was like, yes, bet, bet, this is all good. Great. And some African American <laughs> teachers as well. However, However, those kids were on a, a system. They had already started. They started in, in kindergarten. So now by the time we get there in fourth grade, again, not only is he behind, but he's behind. Okay? Really behind. Have a ball. And again, it was that self-esteem thing. The, the making him feel like, you know, he was the dumbest person on the planet. And he would say that. And when he started telling me that he was dumb, I was like, okay, this isn't going to work out either. Even though I'm paying this ridiculous amount of money for this private school, thinking that it's diverse and they're, they're, all the talk was, oh, we're we're loving and caring to the children. And all the boop boops. We got all that, too. So we got the fuck up out of there. <laughs> I said it how I said it. We, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we, Come on. You're not going to do that to him. So Mm-mm. eventually, with the help of a great, great, I don't even know what her title is. What she did, her name is Sharon Green. And shout out to Sharon Green in Atlanta, Georgia. What Sharon Green does is that she finds the school that best suits your child. She spends some time with your child. She What? Yes. What, in the concierge service? Yes, the concierge service of education, of educating your brown child. Wow. Yes. So she did some research. She had some meetings with him. She just laid in the cut and watched him on a normal, you know, like for a couple of weekends. She wouldn't say anything. She just kind of watched him and asked him a lot of questions when, when they did talk. And she found a school for him. And the school is one student and one teacher, almost like a tutoring service. But it is a whole school. There are other students that go there. It is a, like a, a office building. And in each of these little rooms, the rooms are glass. So, you you know, you feel like, OK, you're not just in there with homie and you don't know. I don't know. Um, he's the there are glass rooms. Each room is is um decorated for the subject that the teacher is teaching. And you go in there for 45 minutes and have one-on-one learning, which is what he really needed because he was behind and he had to catch up in so many ways. We started off in Cali and in California, the education was like, oh, let's just play in the mud. Yay! You know, look look at creation. Isn't it wonderful? Let's just get leaves all over ourselves. Montessori! Right, Montessori. Exactly, (laughs) my friends. But but by the time we got to Tennessee, it was a a hot mess. You know, it was was a hot mess. So now, Jed, um, his grades, he got all A's and one B this last semester. And it is you know, a a real gift 
to be able to offer him an education at a pace that he needs and in an environment that he feels secure and also just just the whole, just not being afraid to ask questions because he don't want to get played, you know what I mean? In a classroom full of people who are like, no, we've, we've been learning this since, you know, first grade. Right. So we're all together in this, you know? That's the one thing I've learned about private schools. You, you, you got to start at kindergarten because there's a pace. And if you cannot keep up with that pace or you're just, mm-hmm. you're, you're ass out of luck. And that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why that's why a lot of times when kids are, are switching from public to private, they'll throw that, well, you have to repeat uh-huh. a grade information out there. And I know a lot of parents who've experienced that, where their child may be in middle school. And I, I experienced that, actually. I moved from public school to private school from sixth grade to seventh grade. When I went into middle school, I went to private school. And I got accepted into more than one private school, but one of them suggested that I repeat a grade and my mother wasn't having it. So I went to the one that said, Yo, come on. That said, we'll take you as you are, my love. Uh-huh. But it still really wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. You know, I think it's beautiful, obviously, you know, that Jet was able to find an op- you know, a, a, a learning space that, that fit him, you know, and but that, you know, we all know that that is just not the norm. Our uh-uh. children are dealing with a number of different obstacles in their way as it as it pertains to their education. But I say our country as a whole really is because the project and the experiment of trying to educate an entire population is a fairly new concept. And the concept of trying to educate this population, the one in America, is is really, really, really new. Because when you think about it, there really wasn't such a thing as a national school system prior to the end of slavery. In fact, the only reason why you have public school is because of Black Americans, because of former enslaved people. When we got our freedom, we wanted to be educated. That was number one on the list, that we wanted to be educated. And so therefore, you know, who was going to pay for this but the federal government? And so that was the first thing. I mean, even white people in this country have us to thank for having public schools, because before that, only the aristocracy was able to be educated. Poor white people didn't go to school either. Huh. There was no school. And you said it's interesting because you you said that it wasn't a national school system. However, we were all using those same Texas textbooks. Yeah. For a long, way too long. Yeah, I mean, the the bottom line is that once we start trying to educate the whole population, then it becomes the question becomes, what shall we teach them? Uh And and there and there, what shall we teach Uh them and what what education is their right? What 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 is their right? What is what, what are their rights to? You know what I mean? And so I think that's where the idea of educating black children becomes it can no longer just be personal it is political Uh and it has been political since the very beginning even to the moment that we stepped on these shores what what, us not being able to speak our own languages and us not being able to communicate and only you know being taught what you know what they wanted us to know and not being able to read and all these different things so I do think that um, you can hear the bible but you can't read it you can hear it, but you cannot yes, read it. You can, right? Yeah, right. Right? And, and and let's just say, once they started reading it, the Bible radicalized 
people. Right? Mm-hmm. Nat Turner. Yeah. Bible radicalized Nat Turner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we could go into a whole bunch of the historical things, but I will say this about my experience. Out of all six children, my children have had every kind of experience other than homeschool. My children have been to public school, yeah. private school, charter school, and HBCU. They've Oh, and, and they haven't experienced, I guess, PWI. So... They're, you know, predominantly white institutions. And I was going to say, there's a there's something to Jill's story and even finding Jet's education, because although my mother was working class, like she definitely went through that journey of let's try this public school. And mind you, I was a kid who went, oh, to, yeah. went to private school early in life and my whole class had got skipped. So that was an issue for her after I left that private school, respecting that whole skippation of things and trying it at the Christian school because Asia, you know, I, I tried Grace Brethren. We tried the Christian school, yeah. but wasn't enough black figures in there for my mama for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Then we tried the public school, but it just wasn't yeah. smart. So it's an, inter- it's an interesting ride, but I will say as, as a grown-up, yeah. I'm not mad that I can reference now my mother's battle to find the proper, the right one for me. Like, I appreciate yeah. those moments when she took yeah. me. I appreciate her fighting with my private school teacher about me bringing Malcolm X to school as an autobiography. Like... That part is of education, that part of rebellious black education seems like it it was a privilege that was given starting in the baby boomer. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, my mom did the same Mm -hmm. thing, you know, lied about our address Mm -hmm. so we could go to a better school. Shout out to Banneker. You know, y'all can't arrest my mama now. It's It's over over with. (laughs) It's over. You can't get her, (laughs) goddammit. You can't get her. Um, But, you know. Yeah, I mean, that battle. Yo, wait a minute. You I got to tell you this. Oh, <laughs> uh, So my mom takes me out of the public school around the way, right? Because I was fighting every mm. day. Yeah. Every day, it was some kind of fight. Mm. And um, she, she sent me to the school she always wanted me to go to, Greenfield Elementary. You guys know that school? That oh, was- Greenfield is still a school that everybody wants to go yes, to. she sent me to Greenfield. Oh, wow. Why? Because she was, uh, I wasn't doing good. I was. It was a good it, school. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a, a great school. school. Well-resourced. Oh, yes. It's downtown. Central air conditioning. Okay? Amen. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So she sends me to Greenfield. She doesn't know that there's a program happening. You know, I figured it out, actually. They had uh, grades A, B, and C. And uh, without any... What's that? Right. Without any testing, I was in C, right? So I'm looking around. I don't know. I must have got to maybe about (laughs) seventh grade. And I looked around and I was like, wait a minute. Where are you from? Well, I'm from from North Philly. Mm. Where are you from? I'm from North Philly. Where are you from? I'm from North Philly. Where are you from? Everybody in this class is from North Philly, except for maybe one other Black student that is from West Philly. And I was like, wait a minute. So I don't think, I don't think I should be in this class with everybody. I should at least be a B if I ain't an A. Like, I shouldn't be in here. It was confirmed for me. We got a new student from Sri Lanka. She spoke zero English and she was in my class. And then they brought another kid in. I cannot remember her name, but she drooled really bad. She would just drool. <laughs> kind of drool. It's, it's not funny, but it is. <laughs> because I'm in the class sitting next to her trying not to get drool on me. And I was like, this is racist. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to be in the school 
for for all the classes yep. and, and, and the, the beautiful environment and all of the things, but it was racist as fuck. They just, they just, girl, trying to find a good education as a black parent for your child Ooh, is wild. I mean, it is absolute war. Like, you have to strategize and the compromise shit. game, Aja. Yeah, and the, the compromise com- game. Oh, the compromise game is very serious. I, I will even have to throw this little thing in the pot. As a kid, my mother obviously, as all our mothers did, did the you ain't going to that neighborhood school dance. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We, all, we all experienced that. But where I ended up, though, is so interesting to me because I really realize it's, 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 it's a testament to a bygone era. Mm. The the primary school I ended up at was Robert Brent Elementary School. And my principal's name was Frances Plummer, was a black woman. And every single teacher on staff at my school was a black woman. My oh. science teacher was a black woman. My music teacher was a black woman. What my in the gym, privilege? My gym teacher was a black woman. Uh-uh. Our school counselor was a black woman. When the universe conspires. When the <laughs> universe conspires. <laughs> That's fantastic. But listen, this is... But the, you couldn't get away with nothing. Nothing. Mm-mm. But this is, the, and this is the reality of... And I've actually written about this. I wrote a whole essay about it. But this is the thing is that the reality is that I didn't understand how special that was until I started trying to find schools for my children. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. And it made me go back and think about that transition from primary school into middle school and why I crashed and burned the way that I did. I was always reading two or three grades ahead, always, from the moment I was in kindergarten. And I was always advanced. When I got to private school, I literally almost failed the seventh grade. And when I think back on that environment, going from an entirely black environment, one that was headed by and defined by black women. And I'm talking about black women. Some of some of my teachers had their master's degree. And I remember when my principal actually got her Ph.D., we were told we were no longer allowed to call her Mrs. Plummer. We had to call her Dr. Plummer. That's Dr. right. Yes. And so when I think back on that transition, I'm thinking about, well, what was my environment like? This was a school that was, you know, well known throughout the city, very wealthy, very resourced, you know, very, you know, ahead of the game. And I did not flourish there. And as I started to think about that, that really kind of got, got into my mind. Well, what does it take for black children to flourish? Uh-huh. And is there a specific thing? Or are we really but, just looking... But were you challenged? And, and what does flourish mean? Like, were you challenged? Were you so challenged that you couldn't overcome that challenge? Like, what does that mean? I would say, in retrospect, I think the environment just did not agree with me. It was so foreign to anything that I had ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I also think that middle school is a very deep time for children, period. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a, a time period where across the country you were noticing that schools were going from the primary school to middle school model into something mm. called K through eight. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they put K through eight into being in a lot of ways is because they understood that once kids got to middle school, we kind of dropped them off in a building with a bunch of yeah. people they don't know during a developmental time that is very difficult. Only for two years. Only for two years. Yep. And yeah. so what they're saying is that if you keep a child in the same building where they went to kindergarten, 
first grade, right. second grade, that they have adults around who've known them for a long time. So when they get into this developmental stage, it's quite difficult. They have yeah. that support. And I think my experience mirrored why that is a good idea, because I did not have the support and the presence of these black women in my life. I really believe that had a lot to do with why I failed. My first English teacher was a, a white man and all the kids called him by his first name. Mm. Mm-mm. His name was Pierce. I'll never forget this. Mm-mm. Pierce Tyler. And I could not not call him Mr. Tyler. I said, well, why are y'all calling this dude Pierce? And it drove me nuts. Because he's young and he popped in. He wasn't even really that <laughs> young. But it was just like I said, there was this like a, a vibe of inform. It was so informal. Everything at this private school because these kids were so entitled. Mm. And I, I had never called a teacher by their first name. I had never... You know, I, my, my, my school teachers used to take my hair out when they thought it was too tight and redo it. Oh, what? I love Say, it. Wait, 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 you mean your teachers could corn roll and I braid? Is that what you're saying? They weren't just touching your hair like, what do I do with this? My mother was real serious about a nice, neat ponytail, right? Maybe a little too serious on my edges. Oh. oh. And so my teacher, Ooh. my teacher would say, come here, baby. <laughs> and she would take my ballies out let my hair breathe a little bit and then put them back in looser. Oh my God. I'm sorry, that's such that a big is deal. That's so just, huge. That is just the oh. the idea of being what? in a loving environment that understands you. Cause edges that understands, that understands edges. you. Cause if you come into school and you know, let let's just say your Caucasian teacher is, is Miss Joseph. Okay, anyway. Um and Miss yeah. Joseph, she doesn't know why you have a headache. She doesn't know why yes. you're not in the best mood. You know, she can't grasp that something could possibly be simple to fix. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something else. I had, I went to school with two boys who had been adopted by a white family. And they were both African, but I don't know what country they were from. They're from Africa and they were Muslim. And the white family tried to maintain culturally like where they had come from. I love that. And they did not believe in standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I remember my teacher would all make us respect that. Mm. My teacher would not would not allow us to say anything about it. She was like, you all are excused. Mm-hmm. There were so many things in retrospect when I think back about my experience there. And this was a public school. Now, let me fast forward for you guys. Now, in 2021, Robert Brent Elementary School is no longer predominantly black. Mm -hmm. The teaching staff is no longer predominantly black. The city is no longer. The city is no no longer. (laughs) The Robert Brent that I went to is is not does no longer exist. It is a ghost. Oh, girl, my whole black private school, you know, that shit got torn down. Oh. I can't even. Yeah, because Laia's school she went to was up on a hill and my aunt's house was behind oh. it. And they have torn it down. It's gone. Whole black private school from preschool to sixth, sixth grade, all black kids. Now, we weren't blessed with all them black women like Asia had, but <laughs> that, they, you know, that man, sounds like they did cause a girl to graduate from high school. A dream. Like, it sounds like a beautiful dream just to go somewhere and be understood. Oh, I, I'm going to tell you, I tell people all the time, understand DC, DMV people that you live on a different planet and you need to appreciate this planet that you, I mean, I don't know about the current folks that's growing up, but for most of us, we lived on a different planet. Yeah. Like, DC of the 80s on, 
earlier is definitely a different, was a deaf 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s was definitely a, a different can of worms. But I think now with my own children, I think now about how my children have mostly been taught in public school by white women. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been diverse. But it is, it is you know, a, a situation that's going on across the country. Most teachers in the United States are white women. Uh-huh. And then the black men are the, the they are the least, right? Asia, as far as my, I'm concerned, as far like they as need I more know, black men. They need more black men to teach. They need more black people to teach. But I think more than anything, you know, what we're looking at is, like I said, a, a youthful experiment. What it means to educate a mass of people. Does this system even work for white people? <laughs> it, it can't. It, it can't. Because, can. you know, they dumb. Because, I mean, and I'm not <laughs> saying white people in general. I'm just saying they kids be dumb. You got a whole situation where they all went to daggone uh, jail for trying to cheat to get their kids in college, paying all this oh, money. Because right. right. the kids ain't learning. So it's like, yeah, your privilege will get you what you want, but are you really learning anything? This country, globally, where does it rank amongst... Oh, it's pretty low. You know? It's pretty low. It's pretty low. More conversation after the break. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Artesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. My girlfriend, who is Caucasian, her daughter goes to that same school, that the private school that Jet went to. And, um, you know, she's, she's not, she ain't flourishing. She ain't doing well in school at all. But they've banded together to help her, you know, this teacher and that teacher and at, before school and after of school. Of course. They asked me if Jet could leave. Ooh. Would you? Would he? That he should. Would you? That he should leave. Oh, girl, it's time to resurrect the fire burn. It, uh, it is time to resurrect the fire burn. Fire burn. Can he do what? Leave. You'd be like, you know what's about to leave? This whole building What right I here. learned <laughs> is that there is this, you know, there's a certain standard that the school has. And if this child has fallen under the standard, then they want them to leave. But they didn't ask my friend's daughter to leave. They didn't ask her to leave. Nope. She's right there. She's still there struggling. You know, doing what she can, but that there is a difference. There is a difference there, and I'm so glad that that was the suggestion because I didn't need to hear B. I didn't need. I need. I didn't need to hear Plan B or Option B. All I heard was mm-hmm. leave, and I was like, "Thank you, bye." You don't. You don't. You don't, well. You could. You but you could. I don't want to. But could. And I'm paying you this money for what? Not only are we leaving, I need you to refund me every cent. Which they did. And I felt better. But nonetheless, you know, we're still, you know, finding how to educate this kid. What works for him? Mm -hmm. Because, I I mean, it's not even something that he loves. He doesn't love school. He's Mm -hmm. not a huge fan of school. But I feel like most kids, especially black kids, and there are some kids who like school. Don't get sure. me wrong, but I think a lot of, I think a lot of black students are not connected. My daughter said, "Mom, it just doesn't give." That's what mm. she says. That's that's the quote. My daughter, she's like, "It just does not give." Mm. And I thought that was really profound, even though that's slang for now. But you know, the bottom line is that that's true. It does not give. What is it giving to you? You know, I always say to people like public school. When you pull your kid out of public school, even though. I have done it myself before and I understand the necessity of being able to decide because I want us to get into the conversation about this quote unquote school choice. But the thing is, I understand as a, as a parent, you have to make the right decision. But when you pull your kid out of public school, please believe what you are also doing is leaving your money on the table. Hmm. If you went into a Macy's and you bought a blouse, you bought it, they packaged it up, put it in the bag. You smiled at the person and said, thank you. And you walked out and left that bag on the daggone countertop on purpose. That's what you do when you pull your kid out of public school, because at the end of the day, you have already paid. They owe you a product for what you have paid for. Uh-huh. And so therefore, I, I've always felt that 
the, the relationship between the parent and the public school has to shift from you're not doing me a favor. You didn't hook me up. I paid for something and you are supposed to meet my child where they are. That's the challenge, though. I was going to ask you, too, like, you know, I'm, I'm curious about because I don't know that much about these kind of public schools in a sense. But I went to a public high school that was a acceptance and education based. So I'm curious to how y'all feel about those in that sense then. So like like you had to have a certain amount of community service and your grades had to be at a certain point to get into this public school. Like, how do y'all feel about that situation? Well, I have to say, I love standards. I love them. I, I, I get it now and I, I appreciate standards. So just like all of a sudden, all of the parents, new parents are running around trying to find the right preschool. It's the same thing, trying to find the right elementary school to write. And it and, and depends on what right is for you. If, if your kid is, if, or if you are, because they're just a child, but if you're thinking, okay, this is going to help them get to college, you might be in trouble already. But because <laughs> when you get there, you do all that and they don't even want to go. Oh, boy. But And then we question in college. You see, y'all, again, on J.I. Yeah. Ill, y'all make people question every institution, tradition, and situation that we have been oh, known to I'm make. Oh, I'm so glad you used so, those two words. Come on, those two. Come on, institution and tradition. And tradition. Let's talk yeah, about so, it. Let's talk so about it. In Let's the back of my mind, who's institution and whose tradition? Is going, but what about those kids left behind that maybe didn't have and the, the, the grades and didn't have the time to do the community service that these kids, like, I'm so I'm thinking that and I'm like, well, shit. So then public schools should just be dope on all, they should all be at the same education. At level, should there not be these special education schools of higher learning? I don't. Let's just think about let's just think about the reasoning for why you would separate students in the first place. All of this is based on hierarchy uh, and and capitalism. It's all based on this exceptional BS. It's like the bottom line is that we all like to believe that our kid's going to be the smart kid. But what happens when your kid has a few? What what happens when your kid scores a few points underneath? Mm. What happens then? Then you have to advocate. And then what if you're... Then you got to pay more. And then, and, But that's what I'm saying. Then you have to yeah, advocate. Yeah. And so yeah. what if you're not able to advocate? What if they just really don't want yeah. you? What if they have to choose between you and a white kid who came three points under? What then? Mm. The bottom line is we can't continue to buy into these institutions and these, these, these particular standards that we did not even create. This, this standard is not even our standard and it's not meant to actually include us. Just because sometimes we do get included because we're smart and we're awesome and we persevere and our mothers be hustling and they be doing Mad everything. Shout out to magnets. Shout out to the right? magnets. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, in that situation, yeah, that works out. But you know what I'm saying? But then what? What if your kid gets into the school and let's say they have a traumatic experience at that school? And the only other option other than that school is the neighborhood school. Then what you going to oh. do? And you can't afford private. I don't know. What do you do? Agent? The point is, is that your ch- every child should have access to quality, high rigor education. Every single child should have access to that. So who has the Period. standards? Right. Who has the standards? The parents or the institution? I always say the parents, but I say more than the parents, the students. I, I deeply believe in giving children a voice. I really deeply believe in that. I think that children can very much dictate how and how they learn, 
and what they learn. I think that's really important. I'm not saying that parents shouldn't be a part of it. What I'm saying is that we have to start to look. I'll give it to you this way. Right now, part of the national conversation is what do we do about policing? And there's a big conversation around defunding and, and, and completely dismantling the police because we understand that this is not a system that works. If we look at the educational system in this country, it mirrors the carceral system also. School be functioning a whole lot like jail. When you yeah. go from one classroom to the next, you got a line up. Mm-hmm. Every kid got a every kid got a number. Mm-hmm. Now they done made all the kids. No. They had made all the kids put on a uniform, and and told you that it was better for them. My thing. Well, in the uniform, listen, wasn't it a little bit because you didn't have to get up and pick your clothes out? I, no, let me explain <laughs> something to you. You know how many kids get detention and suspended? For not wearing the wearing uniform. for not wearing their uniform yeah. and proper uniform, they use every single thing they can to police and incarcerate our children. Period. Mm. Period. You have never mm. lied. You have never lied. Damn it! We got to remix every situation, every system, every institution. I, I and then I, I'm like, where we where we start? I guess we got to start here because the incarceration system. Maybe we started the education, then we've been. Uh, I mean, let okay, me just so, say something. So in America, there are independent there are independent African centered schools, and they have existed for decades. I know, just not nationwide and in everybody's city, but I, you're yeah, right. do have them in many many states cities nationwide. But let me. I, Jill was about to say something. I want to research is mandatory. That's one. Um, Right research there. is mandatory to find out what works best for you and your child. Amen. This homeschooling business. So I looked into it and homeschooling was uh, what? $220 to register or or something in that family to uh-huh. register. Wowzers. That's a lot. To register a child for homeschool when it's free to register them for public school? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's still wild. And that's just me. a registration. I'm like, so what that hourly, what that, what, what that daily look like? What that look like? What the company does is that they kind of, I don't want to say police, they look at what is necessary, what is required of a student for a certain grade, mm. what's required. Mm. English, science, math, history, what's required. And then they basically hold you accountable as the homeschooler to have all of those things done. Now, what you can do? Wait, what they do? They, is, I mean, they just they they give me an outline. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Basically, <laughs> they're giving you an outline. Basically, that's exactly what it is. They're giving you an outline to make sure your child has matriculated. So, Jill, they don't give you the content. They don't give you like they give you the content. Okay. They give you the content. They give you the textbooks. All of those things. Wow. And then it's up to you to, you know, keep that thing popping and keep the child educated. For people who don't homeschool, this idea, the school that Jet is currently going to, where there's one teacher per class, per uh, subject, mm. and one student per subject, made me realize that I don't, I much prefer to have uh, homeschooling where I can hire the teachers that I want to educate him. Yeah, because homeschool is not a monolith. Homeschool can look so many different ways. And I know many parents who have done this. You know, shout out to, if you're on Instagram, shout out to Yolanda J, at Yolanda J. Shout out to Bay Kemet, B-A-Y-E-K-E-M-I-T. And his wife, Makita Kemet, 
um, so many homeschoolers that I know who have multiple approaches mm-hmm. uh-huh. and to how they decide to, you know, have their children be be educated, mm-hmm. you know, and have gone straight into into colleges. And with to them. the teachers who so, during COVID have kind of they've had to transition to this, too. I've seen a lot of teachers putting together like yeah. plans and whatnot. Yeah. Pods mm-hmm. and stuff like that for mm-hmm. parents and stuff like that. Yeah. But this is about a partnership. And so I really believe what and I really believe in what Jill said. Data. And when I say data, I don't even mean like on some old like, oh, the federal government pays for a study or something like that. I'm just talking about the way that we have always collected data, that Uh we talk to one another and communicate and that we are in community with teachers and in community with parents and students, you know, and so that we try to build on an idea that isn't a bad idea. It's just an idea that was never created with our best intentions at the center. And so we have to kind of reapproach it. That was never created with our best intentions at the center. Let me ask y'all as parents then, so that being said, and that's a huge point, I'm realizing at my grand old age of 39, yes, I pushed it back, that things like the stock market and all kinds of savings and portfolio things um, should have been things that are in our curriculum. Now, for some uh, people of other national white people, they get this early in life as children. Like, they get taught by their, their fathers, uncles, or whatever. But They get taught in school, too. I, I was going to ask y'all, is mm-hmm. are we talking about remixing those things as well? Because while we're talking about homeschool, I know we're still talking about those same subjects matters but is it in fact also time to remix the subjects oh yeah i think definitely kids need to understand more about the world and about you know how it functions in their day-to-day about how they're going to go out and 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 be present you know in the world but here's the funny thing about all of that and and then and this is just my belief is that if there is not a serious effort to begin to teach the real history mm. of the world and of America, you know, that I don't care what you learn, you will always center whiteness. You're talking and about that it. is where and that and I know that that sounds typical of me to say, but what I, I mean is so seriously that everything that we learn centers this science philosophy mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. finance english finance mm-hmm. english all of it centers english. english all of it all of it centers whiteness if you're not making a a i mean a massive effort to decenter whiteness as a baseline mm. for educating black children then I'm but then sorry. you would have to we're, you would have to debase whiteness as a baseline for uh, uh, economical. I don't even know how to say life. Like because if once you do that, then you it has to not be the basis for life as a grown up. History is so important to, to to being able to dismantle that. History is at the core of being able. It to is, but it, pre enslavement yeah. contributions by black people that alone 
the fact that you learn about four, three, four people during Black History Month. Yeah. And yeah. At, at my nephew's school, they didn't even have Black History Month. There was no information whatsoever. Because it's racist. At, what you need Black oh, History for? That's racist. What, listen, I this mean, is the same the history system of the that's world. ready to take slavery out of the slave books. I mean, out of the textbooks. Did I say slave books? Mm. Ooh, the slave books. You said slave books. Yes, yes, yes. We're trying to take it out altogether because you don't Mm want to deal with the guilt. You don't want to deal with the reality. You don't don't want to deal with the guilt. You don't want to deal with also the fact that, like I said, there's a reckoning that comes with decentering whiteness. It is a reckoning that goes into every system that we come in contact with it every is. single day. It is. That's why day. I said to you, Asia, I'm like, yeah, so we need to dismantle this system so when these kids get out of school that the system will reflect what they learning in school because if we dismantle it while they in school, but then they come out and they're like, well, wait a minute. That's just good. Well, here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about children. When you empower them with knowledge, real knowledge, they will make those changes. They will step up and make... All those kids that went in Birmingham that went to jail, they were 13 and 14 years yeah. old. Mm. You know That's what I'm saying? It's like, this is not... <laughs> yeah, one of the largest anti-lynching marches that was ever done was a children's march, a silent children's oh, yeah. march. Wait, listen. It's Tupac like, said it best. I mean, he said at, at 30, you lose your revolution. you be like... <laughs> Listen, you be tired, you got kids, you got a mortgage, you don't want to go to jail. So, I mean, all I'm saying is this, is that all of the things that we're talking about, they implicate something so much, so much bigger than just the conversation around education, which I know we all agree with that. But it is a long term thing. We've only been out of slavery or slavery has no longer been the law for like maybe 150 years. And we know that that's just a fraction of the time that we were enslaved in this country. And then that's even a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a time that <laughs> we've all been, you know, there's more been than three fourths a person. <laughs> more than three fourths a person. You know, so, as, yeah. so there's, there's so much of that going on that we that we have to deal with. But, you know, that's just so my thinking. So we're in process. So somewhere. I get it now, y'all. I keep forgetting yeah, that we're, we're in, in process. process. Like, I'm, yes. in, I'm like, I'm a part of the process. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And, yes. there's, and there's really no way to move forward without everybody. Right. I mean, all the children mm-hmm. yeah. of, of every race in America. Oh, hell yeah. Keep talking about this. Oh, yes. Keep talking about this, um, you know, melting pot. Well, it's not melting. It's just a pot with some shit in it. Yeah, you know. I really don't. Like, I don't really want to melt, anyways, Jill. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to lose myself. Yes, that's what. I'm, that's that's yeah. one of the. That's that's honestly one of the things that I always loved about Philadelphia. Um, is that mm-hmm. you could go to Little Italy, mm-hmm. you could go to Little Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and you could go to you know little mm-hmm. areas where it's just all Greek people. Yes, you know, and get some of that culture and eat some of that food and listen to some mm-hmm. of that language and that music. I think all of that's fantastic, but we are missing the mark because we're just so focused on teaching white shit, you know, and and the lies that go along with it. This yeah. the the whole Columbus Day business t- still. Still, I, for real. But but here's what's so funny. I'm gonna come just to your living year, room, and, and I, girl, I've discovered your living room. Your living room. <laughs> just this year, though. Stop it. And even though they have in many cities, especially here in Philadelphia, like we no longer celebrate. All Christmas right, Indigenous Day. Day. Yeah, Indigenous Peoples Day. 
But even still, even still, just this past year, when activists were trying to get the Christopher Columbus statue taken down in South Philly, Mm. white men stood in front of it fully armed to protect it. Well, let me just say this, friends. Wouldn't you... They losing, they losing their shit, they losing their rep all day, every day. <laughs> but if everything was built around and centered around you... And your, your, your you fake greatness, a, Jill, and your fake greatness. And your fake greatness. Wouldn't you want to protect that by any means Less necessary? Than. It is setting you up. It is so setting here, your children mm-hmm. up. It's setting, it's setting up everybody's future. Yeah. Except, you know, just yours and your people's. You know, but I, who would, who ex- would want to give that up? Nobody wants to give it up, but here's the funny thing. Here's here's where it gets really delusional, honey, where it just really takes me out. This makes me sit back and do one of those, like, you know, evil character laughs. Is The part that blows me is that most of these white folks, much like their ancestors, don't actually benefit. They oh. just believe that they do. That they are so invested mm. in whiteness that they are so invested, they don't realize that they are being economically oppressed to a degree. Mm. That they, not as much as right. us, but they not getting what that top 1% has and they never go into. They selling them a pipe yeah. dream. Make, a, make they America better. Nothing make but America better. They ain't, protect, they ain't mm. protecting nothing but their own oppressor. The same way that they're poor, white, ancestors did after the Civil War. They went out and decided, you know what? For the hopes that I might be able to have with the plantation yeah. owner has, I will participate in anti-blackness and I will believe in whiteness just for the the hope that maybe I could have it. Mm. That was a big part of them achieving that white supremacy, right, Asia? Because at the end of the day, if they can, con- they can convince the broke white man that uh, he is better than the black man, we are winning. You ain't me, though, motherfucker. But I ain't gonna tell you that. But you, you way better than that nigga right there. Well, exactly. That, that was the whole and maybe plan if right you real, If you're real good and you treat that nigga like a nigga, I'll let you get some of it. Never. Mm. Never let you get it. And you <laughs> won't get it. You won't. Oh. Tricky. And your dumbass. And your dumbass will still be sitting down South Philly with a gun, protecting a metal statue. Yes. Yes. While you are still underpaid, can't take a bathroom break. Don't have no insurance. And got no fucking insurance and going to die with a GoFundMe just like every other nigga that you know. Mm. I, I felt that nigga. I felt it. Mm. I felt it. Deep. And at least, at least we ain't dealing with that delusion. Yeah, that's true. And then, not to mention, so we dealt with the black and the white, but I've also been thinking about this lately, y'all. As immigrants have come into this country for as long as they have, they have, <laughs> they continue not to be taught about the contributions of black people and have informed their own opinions based on how long they've been here. And those things continue to pass on through generations. So I also find that fascinating in a way. I'm like, you know, immigrants... I don't feel like y'all, and I'm not just talking about specific. I'm talking about everybody, even the ones from the islands, <clears throat> our people, you're not gonna, even our West you're Africans. Not like this. I'm just saying. Well, there's a lot. There's there's a and like I said, it's history. Like you speaking it's the truth. A, it's a history. Yeah, it's an education issue. Hands down. Yeah. It is an education issue. I, I'm just questioning, like seriously, in school they don't talk about. 
all the contributions of all the people. If you keep talking about this melting pot, you're not going to talk about the masonry work of the Italians that came here that you still see today on the building? No, I'm, I'm, and I'm here for that, you, but you I'm also you're not here for immigrants to really just understand at the end of the day, we are not immigrants. This country no. is not made of just immigrants. That's a big point that has been fucking killing me because every time you say it, you sorry. forget we me. Can talk about, we can talk about that when we can talk about the fact that when y'all came here, you traded your Italianness yeah, for white. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You traded your, you traded all of that all that culture, all of that ethnicity, you traded it for whiteness. So please, you know what I'm saying? Less At the, the end of the day, kind of blanket Asia. That's kind of a blanket statement. It's, it's kind of a you blanket. Know what? They, they fought I a little bit in games in New York, though. They, you know, it was, they had their own. They the, fought a little bit what? Yeah. 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 Hold on, the yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah. Hold yeah on. I was just saying the different, different people, depending on who you're talking about, Irish, yes, and others, had their own. They, they, no, you talking about draft riots where they just went through the city and killed black people just because they were mad at the government for drafting them right off the boat? You mean I, that? I didn't, but I'm glad that you mm. brought that up because You mean I just... when they went through New York and they actually set an actual orphanage on fire oh. with black children inside of it? They were very cruel to black about people. Mm. Were, I do, I do, yes. You talking about the fact that Celtics and people who come from that part of the country are part of the foundation of policing oh, in this yes, country? Oh, yes, they are the we police about force. That? Mm. Irish are the police I'm force. Not, the Irish are the police force. Mm. No, we not. First of all, uh-uh. Everybody has blood on their hands, period. And if we're not going to discuss it, and I don't even need to, I can take my emotions out. We can just talk facts. Yeah. And we're not going to discuss the history. If we're not going to discuss what happened. What happened gives you the context for why things are the way that they are. And it helps us to understand how we're going to educate the masses going forward. Because like Jill said, these are lessons that are not just mm. for black children. These are mm -hmm. lessons for white children. White children need to understand what actually happened. And Asian and, and children. children. And, and, and Mexican Asian children. Sure. And yes, Indian because children. because they don't. I, I trust you and I feel and know that the information that you gave was just, it's, it's invaluable. What? No. The, the disclaimer that you've given for Asia, I love it. Go ahead. Give it. No, I'm, it's not a disclaimer Because I got mad. I'm sorry. No, I no. did get hyped. That's not a disclaimer. It is just what it is. Some things are observations. Just an observation, not a judgment. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm just saying, I really do feel and, and believe that if everybody here, we already, the shit is already so fucked up. It's so fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> it's just so fucked up. If we could, mm. if we could possibly kumbaya, my niggas, if we could possibly <laughs> have respect and treat everyone with a, 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 some respect, people, it, it did not, it, it was a lot of murdering going on. I was like, don't be jealous. This, this, this ride ain't been easy. It was a lot of. <laughs> It was a lot of murdering and killing and, and conniving and <laughs> manipulation to make this place. But it can be so much better with respect of other people's cultures to begin the melting process or at least the not the melting, but the blending process uh, in a healthy way. Like, Jesus Christ, aren't you I tired? Am. Ain't you yes. tired? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Miss Millie, ain't you tired? Don't don't you want to go home, Miss uh, Millie? Don't you? Where's home? Ain't I don't you know. Tired? Yo, I don't know them either. <laughs>
Yo, literally, can I just tell y'all, literally, this man on the beach, this, this mm. white man on the beach asked me yesterday, he was like, where your people from? And I got so stuck, like, well, my family name is Ewan, so I know it's some Jamaican. Uh, I want to say just West Africa. I mean, outside of St. Louis in New York, you mean? Uh, he was like, well, my people are from Germany and they got a piece of land here uh, hundreds of years ago. And I was just like, man, listen, that's why you wonder born. how they got that. Exactly. Uh, why so It's in Jamaica. It is. It is. But what you it know, is. But I mean, do I do, do recognize now? I do recognize the the bigness yes. of it. And I also recognize the need to have um safe conversation about how we move on but I I, I guess for me it's like there are things that ways as black people that we can begin to map out what we're going to do with our children And and I go back to communicating I go back to seeking out all of the people who are doing alternative methods people who are learning from their experience and so we can kind of learn also from them you know and and that is a community thing that will really be helpful for us in the long these parents run. so lucky for is the that, internet they so lucky they don't even know look, look at where our parents right community yeah community is everything and you have the opportunity to be in community with people who are trying all kinds of yes. different things there's so and much so I think so I think that that is the first thing is to stay open open-minded to the possibilities and to be in communication and community with others I definitely think that if this history thing has to start in the home and so if if we understand the necessity of history we have to also know it we can't require a thing from other people that we're not willing to do for ourselves well listen you can always participate in famous just in case you missed that episode where we were talking about creating our own holidays we well my family and i we created something called famous family is and the premise of the holiday is around the same time as Christmas. Um, the, the premise of the holiday is to have our family get together and do all the fun stuff that we all like to do. We like to eat good. We like to play games. We like to listen to music and dance and all the things that makes family great. We also added uh, essays. Uh, every person is required to write a one page essay about whatever they want, whatever interests them so that we can hear our young people and our elders think. And in order to get a gift, you have to write an essay. You don't write an essay, you don't get a gift, but you get to still hear and, and uh, enjoy all of that beautiful thought around your family. Also, with Famous, we do put up pictures of people that we respect and admire. And it's a good time. I just decided just now that... Everybody's essay needs to be about someone that they respect and admire coming from the African diaspora. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Famous came early. I, mean, I think we, it's fantastic. Yeah, famous is coming early. <laughs> Listen, and shout out to all the any and every teacher of of any race at all. If you're talking about the social injustice that's occurring in front of our Ooh. faces every day in your classes, that's a conversation. That is something that needs to be discussed, not just in a black classroom. That is everywhere. Mm-hmm. That is America. Okay. And we yeah. we gotta get our kids thinking. We gotta get our kids wow, thinking and, and just Yeah. Well, first of all, this is my thing. Don't talk about 
social justice or police brutality to my child unless you're teaching that black I was about to say, because then you have to talk about the history of blacks in it, America. And if you're not teaching are, it in your class, yeah. don't talk about don't talk about it. Now, and the second thing is this. Don't expect my don't expect my child to come to class. If you know, if if something so bad happens, so bad that you think you need to talk about it, you need to turn to my kid and say, hey, what you need to do today? You want to relax? Yeah. Go on home. Take the day off. If your parents can't take you here, what are we going to do? And then you talk to the other people in the classroom and you say, today, to, this is a lot today. And we have a part of our, a person in our community who's hurting. And so our responsibility today is to love them and to love on yeah. them. And to better understand what we can do to not allow these things to happen. See, it's like, don't, don't have a conversation with my kid and ask them how they feeling so that they can set the tone. That like, no, I'm not that's a, crazy. I don't want nobody to ask them how they feel. I just want the information to be presented to children so yeah, they yeah, can yeah, have a conversation. So mm-hmm. they can no, talk about I, I totally about understand. It. So, so understand. you don't have to go to school and act like this shit ain't happening. Didn't happen. But, it, but if they were to stick to that schedule, though, Aja, based on this, this uh, police brutality and killing schedule, there would be no work getting done because... Good Lord have mercy. Right? Is it just... Well, me? who's to say who's to say any work is getting that, done right, anyway? Don't tell my kid they got something to do. You're going to give them a test and you know that that's what's on their mind but that I'm day. seriously... You know that's I'm what's intrigued on them. by that in the sense of soothing or being there for, for kids in this time when there seems to be little rest. We'll be right back. of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make Dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. How many conversations were had about 9-11? How, how many conversations? You know... You think not? You think not yeah. many? Is that what you're saying? No, I think that they were oh, constantly. constantly. Yeah, all the time in classrooms. But think about that. All but across so America. 9-11, one day. Because there's... there's but one day. Like, we, we dealt with Chauvin, and we didn't even have an hour. We didn't have an hour of peace. We didn't have an hour of rest, because we was already having to deal with Dante, and then Micaiah happened. So I'm just... My, that's my point. I'm like, how do these children in their education process get the both things that y'all are talking about? It's all getting so normalized. It's just normalized. You can't ignore the the wart on your finger. You can't ignore it. And I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it in any way. I would by saying a wart. I'm just you can't ignore. It. It's a gaping open wound in America. Really, and we're comfortable with black death. We're comfortable with black pain. Black pain just gets to exist, and they still want you to do everything and act like ain't nothing happened. And the mother again, is crying, and then you add some music to it, and then you got a meme, and, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, we're forced to deal with something that's made normal, and then we have to cope. Mm-hmm. And then we get punished for coping. We get punished for the ways in which we're coping with something that's unnatural. Or at least told how long you can cope because time is limited. So it's like, all right, you got you could cope for a second, but I'm gonna need you back tomorrow. But wait, today, so, tomorrow something just happened. How I'm gonna cope with that? You know, we had Dr. Janice mm-hmm. on here and I'm gonna quote her. I'm gonna quote her on this and I'm gonna say this. She said, these timelines and deadlines is the white man's creation. It's a capitalistic creation. Timelines, deadlines, this is due, that is due. We have to done to do this. Somebody created that. And just as soon as, as quick as they could create it, they can uncreate it. Y'all know there's some American shit, too. They can uncreate it. And if we, we, we must begin to make people make space for mm. us. Mm. Make, huh. Take up all the space. Take up all the time. And I tell my children this all the time. I may not be in every room to advocate for you because I'm just not going to be everywhere all the time. So if you need more time, take all the time. If you need a second, a third, a fourth explanation, get all four. Take up all the space. Make everybody stop. I don't understand. My neighbor. He's from Pakistan. And that kid is going to get put right out. 
and put in some other class or sent to some other school. And it's our job to advocate for that student if that happens. It's our job to tear the whole shit down. Maybe we're 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 inside a bubble fighting for something and we need to just get outside of the bubble altogether. Yeah, I, and, I think and that's find an option too. And interesting ways to educate our children. Because oh, yeah. when, you know, someone asked me recently, how did I how did I teach Jet about God? I was like, we sat outside in the grass. Mm-hmm. With, you know, some other people may want to go to to every church and all of that. We sat outside in the grass. We looked at the stars. We looked we looked at the dog on trees, you know, mm-hmm. earthy or whatever you want to call it. I'm like God is there. Okay? That's my that's where I am with it. Opting out is always an option. And it's a beautiful option. Mm-hmm. You do not have to participate. Participation is a choice. But if I do participate, you're going to give me what I came for. This is so revolutionary. I feel like this is revolutionary. Like, take the space. Take the time. What? What? Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. You got me all excited. And there, there, I mean, there are businesses out here for you. You know, um, young mathematicians can't figure out what you want to do. You know? It's, it's always great to see a black woman or a black man teaching mathematics. That is wonderful. It is exciting for our children. If, the, if that is something that you enjoy doing, there is a business out here for you. Speak up. Show, you, show your face. Let them know what you can do so that our parents can hire you and, and you can bless children. Math. It's, 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 it's one thing at a time. Just one thing at a time. Really? Is math the sole subject that is white supremacist uh, resistant? Math. Hmm. Huh. I'm ready for Asian. She ain't said shit. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought I was doing <laughs> she, it. Oh, she got a face, she though. Knew. You see a face. Like, Uh-oh. That's the white man math. You seen that new math, though? How they come up with that? Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. The one thing I will say is that there was a documentary that just came out I don't know the name of it. That talked about how um, you know technology has has bias, has racial bias, and technology and science was a thing that at one point people thought that that was you know impervious to racism, but we found out it is not. Down to uh, Google face recognition, oh down to trying to put your hand in the automatic water that the, when you go to the sink. Okay, that's racist and, too. And the sensor doesn't. The sensor doesn't pick up black skin. I'm tired. Why is it so exhausting? I mean, why, 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 why? I love being black, but I'm sorry. it's so exhausting. I, I hate being the no, bearer. We need the information. Oh, oh, we need the information. Oh, oh, it's fine. I, it's fine. At this point, I feel like I'm no, a caricature. No, no. Oh, like it's like God. you are not. You are information, honey. You, but you are. We need this. <laughs> yes, we do. I feel do. like Medicine. I'm always the bearer of the shitty Holistic news. Why you Medicine. think? Why you think you you at the party? You, into, you <laughs> are tutoring, Aja. You are keeping the inflammation down. Come on. Okay. What I'm so oh, that's I a beautiful thing to say about a person every day. <laughs> I mean, and it was a it was a black woman who who yeah, I, I want to say it was a black woman who discovered this. I, I I'm gonna get all my all my facts straight, but I do know that there was a time when we thought technology was the one kind of you know neutral space, and it turns out that it's not. So if technology is not, then math is not, because at the end of the day. You need math for that. So, and you know, algorithms, that's math. Mm-hmm. Oh, algorithms you know? are math. <laughs> Coding. Oh, God. I, oh, white supremacy. It's the history. If you don't know it, you cannot create a new thing. You have to know what the old thing was. We don't even know what the old thing is. 
How you gonna create something new if you know the old thing? Gotta know the old thing. That's that's gotta know the old thing. Gotta know the old thing. I feel optimistic though. I still I'm still optimistic, and the reason why I, why I am is because I know that some of the greatest minds to ever think thoughts worked on these things, wrote about these things, philosophized about these things. And they tried hard and they got us to this point. We're just not maybe going to see the end of the road in our generation, but we will be able to put down a part of the pavement. And I feel like for us, our job is to make sure our part of the pavement is smooth, without cracks, and is laid, baby. So I think there's a part of this that I accept for myself and I understand that it is big, but it's not my job to attack the whole of it. It's my job to do my part, to make sure that my piece, my part of this road is paved properly and that I said the things and I did the things I should, I should have done based on what I knew. And I tried to know as much as I could. You want to get some. Was that a freestyle? Or was that? <laughs> get was, some. I was like, that was a freestyle? I, I feel like you should wrestle now. <laughs> I feel like you should you should put on a, a little outfit and, and with a mask and you should jump off the top row. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like body I, yeah, slam somebody. Yeah, Asia. yeah I, you need to growl at somebody uh, hard. Yeah. yeah. I love somebody that. with white yeah. supremacy on their chest. Just I love body that photo. That might be my birthday photo for this year. Yo, that'd be dope. My wrestling outfit. Yes. Against the I white supremacist wrestler. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Look, this thing here is a journey. It's a journey. And if you you manage to, to have some children, then you got to do the work. You have to do some research and you have Ooh, to child. find out and pay attention to your kids. Y'all making me rethink. What's best for them, what really suits them. The information uh, about who we are and um, it and what we've done is more apparent than ever, ever before. So the information is there for you to share and give great pride to your children and self-worth and self-esteem is there for you. It's there for them. So we got to do our part. We got to do our work. What the children say. Amen. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Purr. We need to get the kids to do that. Do a little, do, do. Purr. Purr. <laughs> Coming up next on the show, what's on your heart? An occasional segment where we check in with people we respect about how they're really feeling. Hold on, y'all. I think there's somebody calling. That must mean it's time for what's on your heart. Well, looky here, looky here. Somebody has stopped by to talk to us. Let's see who it is. Introduction. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Today we have Dr. Joshua M. Myers. He is an associate professor <laughs> of Africana <laughs> Studies in the Department of African American Studies at Howard University, darling. Yeah, yes. you too. He's also the author of We Are Worth Fighting For, a history of Howard <laughs> University student protests in 1989. We will not discuss how old we all were in 89. Certainly, we weren't old enough to be protesting, but we still going to keep it a secret. <laughs> anyway, he is currently working on a book about Cedric Robertson, the time called uh, The Time of the Black Radical Tradition, as well as the editor of A Gathering Together, which is a literary journal. 
And, uh, you know, we just go talk. Also, too, I've gotten to sneak into his <laughs> class and he's freaking brilliant and I'm just hyped. These are the mystery classes that I make everybody schedule my life around. Wow. 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 <laughs> You're so dope. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm like super hyped that he's here with us because, like I said, I just I, I firmly believe now that old people should go to school. Like there should be free school for old people, because when you get this age, you want to learn it. When you're young, you're whack. You don't even know what's in front of you. Sometimes I listen to the kids <laughs> in your class and I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. ungrateful little book. OK, anyway. <laughs> Bottom line is, it's been a pleasure. So welcome, 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 Dr. Myers. How you doing? I'm doing great. And it's been a, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to be in conversation and in digital community with you all. And so, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Well, we have one question. It could, it could take a lot of turns because that's what happens when we, when we ask questions. Dr. Myers, what's on your heart? Wow, what's on my heart? It's a beautiful formulation, really. If you think about it, it's connected to the various ways that we make sense of our reality. What's on the heart is usually uh, what's also on the mind, right? And if you think with many our traditions, including the ancient Middle Egyptian, there was a single word for the heart and the mind. And so you all are right on it uh, with this question. And I think for me, you know, there's a sister right in Philadelphia where um, you are who uh, teaches at Sankofa Charter Academy. She's the founder of Sankofa Charter Academy. She says, the hardest thing to be is to be in community with yourself. And sometimes that can take you to different places, whether it be sad or painful, and especially when all of our forms of intimacy are reduced to the digital. And so I've been thinking about how we should care for each other in these times, and especially amid the conditions that led to our isolation. We have to figure out forms of care that look different. I don't know if I'm ever going to get another chance to say this to you, Jill, to you, Asia, that the music that you all have created is only possible if you all had loved us, right? This is this is a production art, right? It's something that comes out of a deep love for, for us. And so folks have to understand that, that there's a tradition of doing that. There's a tradition of, of care as artistic production. And in a society, as Richard Eisen talks about, where Black people are supposed to be undeserving or incapable of love, Creating art that speaks about Black people loving each other is, is a subversive act, is a, a subversive gift. And so love has a sound. And, you know, we have been showing each other the power of this subversive gift for a very long time. And I'm happy to be in conversation in a community of people that extend that tradition. It's a tradition that I know has sustained me, has sustained the communities that I represent, and is going to sustain us for a very long time. So thank you all. Oh, my. How does the heart clap? How does the heart clap? <laughs> How does the heart snap? Because I know y'all felt that. I know y'all felt that to the core. Or you know I did. I took notes. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly though, Dr. Myers, my vibe with you is I love the way that you approach how you teach in terms of making sure that music and art is mm -hmm. available to connect to the study of how we behave and how we do things. Before class, mm -hmm. you always plan 
music. And I've discovered artists that I had no idea even existed. Like I felt like being taught by you in multiple ways. And then based on what I do, I'm thinking, dang, I don't even know who this is. But just this wide range of the ways that we communicate. And I just appreciate that so much because that link is not always made. And, you know, I just love mm-hmm. for you to kind of speak to how we can learn about ourselves. Because I think we just have this very narrow view of that, you know, and especially yeah. during this time. And God bless all the folks that post the facts and the blurbs and the this and that. And I think that's awesome because I have learned things that way. I will not even Mm -hmm. front. But Mm -hmm. I just want you to speak to the many ways that we can teach each other about each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a story. Right. And so our deepest registers of human knowing that come out of who we were before the experiences of enslavement were generated around questions of identity that were often perpetuated through storytelling, right? And so that's something that enslavement could not disrupt. And so it is not an accident that the first forms of intellectual production, once we were, after we were enslaved, were the spirituals, were the work songs, were the the stories that were literally passed down uh, mouth to ear. And in that sense, I then, as a professor, have to figure out a way to tap into that in order to do the work that was given to me. And so I can't, like music, you know, there's there's no separation between, you know, body and soul, heart and mind, right? And so music can't just be in the ether of, you know, a kind of industry or art world that sort of renders it as this thing over there and then make a hard separation between knowledge. That's not what we've been about. And so it's not, you know, as you know, right, Music becomes a teaching tool because it's part of the thing that's being taught. It's not just something that's you know grabbing your attention. It's literally the thing, right? And so the music that we make, the art that we create, then become necessary parts of the stories we tell about ourselves. And let's be very clear, music is one of the forms because that could not be colonized, right? The, the thing that makes it what it is, right, can't be colonized. They can try to buy and sell it, right? But they can't appropriate the actual essence of it, which is why we keep moving when every time they try to take it away from us, we create something different. Right. And so that thing is ultimately what I'm trying to convey to um, our students. And, you know, sometimes I play stuff that they would be familiar with and, and recognize. And other times I play stuff that they don't even know or even consider because we've always been so complex and so diverse in the various ways we answer this basic question of who we are, right? The very identities that then come out of all parts of the African diaspora, which converge on that that singular question. You know, who are we? Dr. Myers, I just really want to have you speak to this other thing about how we deal with, not deal with, how we communicate with the young. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I observed in your class is that you have this way of making everyone feel like that their voice is worthy, mm-hmm. that what they have to say is relevant, and that, mm-hmm. you know, what they have to bring to the conversation is like your, it, it the energy that you give is so welcoming in that space. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's intentional. So yeah. I just kind of wanted you to speak to that because well, I feel like we could all use some help with that. Yeah, I would say I would say that style was, was 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 the style that was given to me too, and so I was I was brought up in that style. Um, you know, I come from a family uh, that were largely educators. 
I didn't think I was going to end up being one, but you know, ancestors have a plan, right? But when I got to college, it was the same thing, right? And so, you know, equal, there's a concept um, called seba, um, coming from, again, another Middle Egyptian term, where it basically speaks to the idea of being in a process of teaching and learning, right? The the person in charge was called the seba, but that that term means instructions. And it also means that learning and teaching happen at the same time. I can't have the relationship to a student that makes me a kind of authority without recognizing the fact that students are also authorities of particular things. And so, you know, taking that approach allows me to open up the way for them to give things to me, right? And so there's a reciprocal, there is a giving so that I can give back. And that helps me, it helps them feel as if this is an actual circle, right? As opposed to being a, you know, you know how lecture um, halls are set up. You have the person in the front and then you have the audience and almost sometimes you have a raised platform. That's never been how African people made, made meaning, right? We've always used circles. They're always in circles. We're always moving around, right? And so that also is the case in terms of how you organize um, teaching, right? And so if you look at a circle, everybody has an equal part to play, right? And so I come with with probably a little bit more age, a little bit more books read, but they have things too, right? I don't listen to all the music that they listen to. I don't know all the experiences that they have. And so we have something, you know, coming from my my teacher, Greg Carr, called Presence. And in fact, he uh, developed these with the Philadelphia Freedom Schools. And he says there's, there's such a thing called horizontal presence and vertical presence. Horizontal presence is what you bring as an individual, your experiences, and vertical presence is what you bring as being part of a community. And so the beautiful thing about Howard is you have Black people from all across the world. Nobody can be an expert on all those experiences. So students have to be the teachers and the students at the same time, because this is a collective journey. So. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) You made that sound so easy. I was like, (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Myers, can you remember a, t- a conversation where that was a little bit more challenging than you had planned? Yeah, I mean, we all have challenges and we, and we fail a lot at this, right? Because you're doing something that, you know, goes against every form of academic training, right? And that's what Black Studies is about. Being in African-American studies is you have to reject a lot of those forms of training. And so it's always a work in progress. And so part of what I have to do, you know, when people don't buy into it, you have to try to try to reach them in ways that you, you know, sometimes is a, that is sometimes a struggle. And so it, it doesn't always work. Right. If it worked all the time, we would be free. <laughs> Come on. That part. Yes. That is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, depending on what the challenge was, somebody didn't read or somebody didn't, you know, do the work that they were supposed to do. I usually take it as my failure. Even though I know that students have a responsibility, but uh, but by making it my failure, you know, I never get comfortable with, you know, thinking that I'm the best teacher or thinking that I'm the, the greatest at this. And so it allows me to rethink. Right? I've, I've been rethinking my whole career as a teacher. Two years ago, I stopped grading at all. <laughs> right. And so my students, they don't receive any grades. They all they only receive feedback. And so what that does is it removes the pressure that they feel in other classes to meet a certain number or to meet a certain uh, category. And it allows, it opens the way for a different kind of learning. 
So now I'm reading because I want to learn as opposed to I'm reading because I want to make sure I pass this midterm. That's a different orientation altogether. And I've had to adjust that, right? Because Generation Z, they come differently, right? And so I got rid of grading and hopefully, and it has, I think, um, opened up the way for students in a different environment, especially with COVID, pandemic, even though I started doing this before the pandemic, but an environment where, you know, they face pressures that come from all areas, their parents, the student loan companies, like all these, all these different things are happening. And I'm like, okay, for this one class, at least you don't got to think about none of that. Just think about Black people and think Ooh, about Black experiences. That sounds free, like free for f- 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 freedom. And it's <laughs> Listen, and let me tell y'all something. The kids sometimes, it's so, so much indoctrination that I've actually heard him give this speech in class and kids don't know how to even receive it. Don't even believe like, you. They don't right. even believe him. They're like, well, I it's mean... It's a trick. You must be tricking right. us. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, wait, but hold up. You're not going to give us no grades? And then sometimes you also hear the panic in students who are so used to their... Yeah. To, to measuring their though, validation. So, right. right. Their validation is in the grade. Yeah. So they need to continue that that feeling of validation and it mm-hmm. forces them to push back at this thing and that they've been taught all this time. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm so grateful for this conversation yeah. because my, my son is just not with it. He is mm-hmm. not with it. He has presented every argument there is on why school is anything that he's anything that he should have to do. He cannot mm-hmm. grasp it. He said mm-hmm. they may go into school alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, you can't see that. Is they teaching the same way they've been teaching since the beginning of time? I mean, you sit in a row. You don't mm-hmm. see it. I'm like, oh, I do, I do, I do, I do. So this is this is perfect timing yeah. because it affirms this whole homeschooling business that I know that I can't do. But I got people all mm-hmm. over the country. I'm like, okay, homie, I need you to teach my son English. <laughs> homie, I need you to teach my son science. I'm like, I got, I got resources. So, yes. Mm-hmm. While you have resources, though, my question to Dr. Myers in relation to what you said, though, is mm-hmm. for a parent who's not Jill, whose child comes to them in that same way that Jill's son came, that Jack came yeah. up to her, what do you say to that? Because at some yeah. point you do want them to be maybe in a in a child in a school facility. Right. You know, it's COVID right, right. now, so it's easy to have these comments. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot, right? So black educators have done a lot of work on all of these different strands, right? There's a black homeschooling like community um, that's been doing this for generations. There's also the black independent school tradition, right? That comes out of really the Civil War, if you really want to lengthen this, because, um, you know, the reason that it's a, a law in many parts of the United States of America for, for schooling is because Black people wanted it to be a law, right? When you read Black Reconstruction in America by W.E.B. Du Bois, he talks about the founding of the public school. It is because Black people wanted literacy, and you have Black politicians who are forcing this into these, constitu- these new constitutions after the Civil War, because they know that literacy is going to help them make is going to help make their freedom meaningful, and so the black colleges come out of black, you know, people 
black churches. Right. And so you or have Al that. Spellman. Yes. I'm now, right. that being said, right. So that being said, you know, just that I just. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, wait. That's, I'm, wait. I'm sorry. I was wrong about those two schools. Howard, Howard, Howard. Sorry. Well, Howard Morris Spellman um, founded by liberal whites, but you do right, have. That's why I said I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The church schools, Morris Brown and others, Wilberforce. It's coming back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's important. And even with you and Howard Morris Spellman, the white liberals didn't realize that you put black people in the same room, it's going to be subversive just because of that, right? And so y'all have one plan, we have another plan, which is what my book is about, right? The different plans for black education. <laughs> in either case, the flip side of that is independence is difficult in terms of an unfree, in terms of an unfree society. Woo! And so we've had to make a choice. <laughs> yes, independent, independent, trying to be independent is difficult in an unfree society. And so... Well, the tension with the Black independent education movement is what you do with the fact that the vast majority of our students are going to still be stuck in public schools. And so people like Asa Hillier, one of the great thinkers on Black education, to always talked about, you know, making sure that we have an impact and an influence on the public school system. And so in 1969, for instance, when Philadelphia students walk out of schools because of their lack of African-American history and studies courses, that you know puts a, sets a chain in motion where you begin to see uh, folks demand black studies at the K through twelve level, and black studies becomes really a holistic thing. It's not just you know the study of history; it's the study of black existence. And so you look at a collection that ha- that came out of Portland, Oregon, I think nineteen ninety five, the Portland Baseline Essays. They're talking about mathematics. They're talking about science. They're not just talking about questions of history. Because black people have always been whole peoples. And so the idea is then is that education should, should be about our whole beings. And we have to develop curriculum, continue to develop curriculum to meet that. And when it comes to, you know, our people, we have to do what other folks have done in terms of taking control of the public commons when it comes to the provision of an education. And that is an an ongoing struggle. Carter G. Wilson is one of the people that, you know, waged that fight. But, you know, put it simply, we pay taxes, don't we? Yeah. So, hey, it's our common system. And so our our students have to be cared for in that way. And we we don't have to reinvent the wheel with this, right? Look at the Ocean Hill, Brownsville thing in Brooklyn in the 1960s and come all the way forward. You know, we have we have models for what, what was called back then community control of schools. It doesn't have to be the state that controls the schools. We can control our schools. And that means people, you know, who have um, children in those schools then can feel that it's a part of them. Just as we have, you know, churches and other community organizations that we feel are a part of us, the schools should be the same way. Uh, did you hear, I think, uh, I, I heard it briefly, one of the states, I think it could have been Ohio. If, if it's not Ohio, I apologize, but uh, had opted out of Black History Month? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, yeah, the the whole the whole move that we see with the emergence, the re-emergence, the continuing emergence of white nationalism is very much intertwined with the public education system, which is why we have to... That's why Hilliard says we can't neglect the public education system when it comes to our children. And so... Yeah, I mean, they're organized. You know, we have to be organized, too. So basically, the solution is for parents to be 
more involved in their children's education and the system that they're they're part yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, my mama was. I guess I can't say nothing. Yeah. yeah, it would help. I mean, I've always said I've always felt like that the your your neighborhood school you opt out of that you're leaving money on the table. You've already paid for it, and mm-hmm. in a lot of especially in Pennsylvania where the m- majority of the money for the school systems come from property taxes. So at the end of the day, even though that's inequitable, oh, the yeah. reality is that's where they get the money from. It's from you. And so you should be able to yeah. have some say in that and that you should be able to, you should yeah. be, you should be willing to not leave that conversation for other people to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see how it's going. <laughs> so this show is, is, is about education and resources and, us taking a moment to come to our own conclusions with with a little love and guidance no pressure but <laughs> this is this is what <laughs> this is what it is uh i hope we've given you something to think about i know dr myers you have given me so much to think about thank you so much for coming agent i said it before i'm gonna say it again you dope girl yeah you gonna make us doper. <laughs> That's the dope part is that you making us doper and smarter. I'm gonna find a new word for dope in a minute. Thanks. For Listen, <laughs> I knew. I, first of all, I knew. I knew Dr. Myers was gonna come in here and light it up. I already knew that, so I was just like, I'm just gonna lay back, wait for it to happen. <laughs> I just already knew, you know. And I gotta say this, you know, while I have you in this forum, that as a person who deeply. I mean, these women know it's my desire to understand who I am consistently at a deeper level. That's just what I want. And having the opportunity to do that has, I mean, it has burst me wide open. And I'm like so full when I come out of that moment. And that's why I schedule it. That's why I'm, I go. That's why I want to be there. I want to be present. And I just encourage everybody listening to be intentional about reading. There's something yes. about this moment for me that has tied me back to text. And I know Beautiful. it's hard because I yes. have stacked it is hard. books. I have stacked books next to my bed. They have been looking at me like, Heffa, <laughs> what is your problem? Libraries, girl. But, we got libraries. Shelves full of books being read. <laughs> Yes, but this opportunity has tied me back to the power of text, the power of our folks in being intentional about writing and leaving us pavers and, you know, breadcrumbs. And we have to take them. We cannot keep leaving that on the table. That is that's the one thing we're going to have to really get. Yeah. So that being said, since we are the show of resources and solutions, and I'm I'm a baby mm-hmm. in Asia's class while she's a baby in your class, which is all <laughs> confusing because y'all got me rethinking everything that's been programmed and reprogrammed. But anyway, can mm-hmm. you, doc, right, Etel? Can you, Dr. Myers, give us maybe just three resources for the simple Black person who is just... <sighs> Frustrated? Think, yes, and thinks, <laughs> thinks, and thinks they know, but we have no idea. You know, it's funny when those anti-racist booklets were coming out, somebody asked me to do one and I completely made it about black studies rather than anti-racist studies. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. And, but in, in either case, there are some books on there that I would definitely recommend. And so it's called it's a, it's a study. It's a, it's a list called Black Study in the Time of Trouble. 
um, that you should be able to you, you look at my website or, or just Google that title and my name it should come up. But one book that's not on there that I would add, um, you know, just you know, being in a room of creators and people who are connected to that tradition. There's a book by Ayikuye Arma, Ayi first name A Y I, middle name K W E I, last name A R M A H. Ayikuye Arma who's a very important Ghanaian novelist. Um, but his, he has a book of nonfiction called The Eloquence of the Scribes. Yes. The Eloquence of the Scribes. And it speaks to the importance of the creative word in the history of people of African descent and what you can do with the power of that creative word. Well, we thank you so much for coming. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Yes, it ours really ours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hand claps. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, indeed. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. What's up, everyone? It's producer Eves. Dr. Myers just dropped a bunch of resources. I'll add those to the episode description, along with a link to Coded Bias, the documentary that Aja was talking about. It's about artificial intelligence and facial recognition software and Joy Bulamwini's role in uncovering and pushing back against bias and algorithms. Oh, and the ladies mentioned the episodes, We Can Create Our Own Holidays and Seeing the Humanity of Our Mothers, featuring Dr. Johnson Diaz. Go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already. Until next week, y'all. Hi, if you have comments on something we said in this episode, call 866-HEY-JILL. If you want to add to this conversation, that's 866-439-5455. Don't forget to tell us your name and the episode you're referring to. You might just hear your message on a future episode. Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents, J.Ill, the podcast. This podcast is hosted by Jill Scott, Laia St. Clair, and Aja Graydon-Dantzler. Its executive producers are Jill Scott, Sean G., and Brian Calhoun. It's produced by Laia St. Clair and me, Eve Jeffcoat. The editing and sound design for this episode were done by Christina Loringer. J.Ill is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.